Hello and welcome to the Frio Bigfooty podcast, episode six. This week we'll be reviewing the game against Brisbane, where Fremantle won 12 goals 14-86, defeated the Brisbane Lions 6 goals 10-46. We'll be having a look at team selections again this week, again in the upcoming game against the Kangaroos, and we'll be previewing the North game to see how the uh, Dockers will go against this week against the uh, Kangaroos, who are in a pretty much a must-win game for them to uh, make the finals. This week we've got our usual uh, reporter with us. Seppo, how are you, mate? Very good. Glad to be back here for episode six. Excellent. And we've got our uh, Jedi Mind Tricks, who's making his first appearance on the show. Welcome, mate. Hi, guys. Thanks to be here and been fantastic listening to you guys for the last few weeks. Been really a real pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Excellent. All right. So last week we saw Fremantle, uh, probably not one of the prettiest games we've seen in this season, but they... Uh, managed to get over the top of Brisbane by 40 points, and their last quarter in particular was pretty strong. The buy seemed to uh, take a bit of the wind out of the momentum Frio had in the last previous, previous few weeks, along with the Brisbane game plan. But at the end of the day, a 40-point win is a 40-point win and sort of kept our top four ambitions alive. So what did you think, Seppo? Um, well, I thought that sluggish start was, was expected coming after the buy. It's sort of renowned for teams that come off that break to take that extra bit of time to get into it. Um, so I'm glad the guys turned it up and um, we had a really good even spread of goal kickers across the whole team. And um, I'm glad we sort of put them away to that margin. And I sort of expected at the start of the game, I knew um, Brisbane were going to go in with that defensive mindset. And Ross even made mention of it in the post-match press conference with... Brisbane throwing, you know, one or two back, you know, with a spare man plus the wing dropping back. It sort of just made it hard for us to pump the ball in there, and especially as we don't have someone like Pav to really be that key target. So um, happy the way we went about it. Obviously, the defence standing up again, keeping them right down to 46 points. So, yeah. What do you think, Jedi Mind Tricks? Uh, Well, I'd like to echo thoughts um, from Seppo. Absolutely how he... Stood up with the back line. I thought we were excellent. Both um, Jono, Ibo, Duffield. I thought they were fantastic all game. However, we just looked a little bit scrappy with our kicking. Our delivery wasn't on unlike other weeks. However, we were coming off a bye. And we've been known to drop a few games off the bye. It's great to have a win. It's still by 40 points. And, you know, I'd take it every day of the week, even if it was one of the lower teams in the competition being Brisbane. Yeah, I think it was firstly probably one of the few games that we've seen really Monday take the game by the scruff of the neck there in the third quarter as well. Normally he sort of accumulates, but those sort of two goals he kicked at the end of the third quarter just managed to break the game open and give us that little edge going into three-quarter time and we seem to take it on from there, which was uh, terrific. Yeah, it was great to see Monday really push forward and, and get those two goals because we were lacking a bit of sort of not only the forward um, presence, but someone to actually kick goals because we've... Certainly got all other facets of the game worked out, but for him to push forward, and that's something we've been probably wanting out of our midfield guys. You know, Monday's only kicked now five goals for the season. Barlow's only kicked four. Five's got seven, but he plays a sort of that midfield half forward. So um, I'd love to see a bit more goals out of those guys. I also um, think Monday had a, a very, very good second half. He was a little bit quiet in the first quarter, but he really got into the game as the game went on. And... You know, it could be said he was one of our match winners. However, you know, Jono also kicked two great goals outside 50. Um, a lot of credit towards him this week from me. 
yeah, it would have been nice to have done that at the SCG that night too. But... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the other, um, the other interesting thing, and you probably, well, most people at the ground probably would have seen it, but I'm not sure whether you would have Seppo on the TV. But there was, a, there was probably a couple of alarming things that Ross Lyon would have seen, particularly from the contest where Brisbane were able just to manage to bring the ball across, and they went laterally across the ground and actually made a lot of space for themselves. And Ash McGrath got on the end of a few passes, and I think Lyon will be probably trying to fix that up. Uh, this week, because there's no doubt the Kangaroos will be trying the same tactics, I think. Yeah, I thought they were actually going to um, sort of make a, um, an example of some of the guys that didn't actually sort of hold that pressure and allow them to sort of have that switch in play. And, you know, we're renowned for our forward pressure, but they did tend to get out. And when they did, um, Brisbane are a pretty good running side once um, some of they get their guys going. So um, I thought maybe one of, you know, um, the poorer performers would come out of the side. But I suppose Mzungu racking up his 50th game this week, he's safe. And I thought Spur did let McGrath get off the chain a bit. Um, but we dropped Clancy Pierce, I think, back on him there for that last quarter and sort of stopped his influence. But, um, yeah, it was a bit worrying. But I just, you know, you, you give that as a bad quarter or two. Um, and the guys sort of turned it around. But it was, wasn't pretty. I actually think it was a little bit better than the last time we played Brisbane at home. Um, that was probably a bit more of a boring game, very defensive, defensive from Brisbane and defensive from Fremantle as well. But um, the fact that they had a few of their better players in this week, although they were coming off some injuries in Rich um, and Lewenberger, for Crowley to really shut down Siren Black, who's, you know, he's a sensational football player and he had little or Actually, no impact really in that second half. I thought that was fantastic. And for him to be sub, you know, as a credit to Crowley, might have been a messy game. But, you know, a scrappy game, have the win. You know, it's credit to the boys. And I thought um, even Ryan Crowley, who probably didn't get much um, press this week compared to others, just had a tremendous shutdown game. And that was one of the keys to our good win. Now, I think that game against Brisbane last year was I've seen some shocking Freo games, but I think that was arguably one of the worst games I've ever seen. Uh, so it wouldn't be hard to be better than that one, that's for sure. Mm, for sure. It's, it's a kind of a um, recurring scene with Fremantle and Brisbane. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other good thing was, and once again, we um, it's one of those games where a couple of years ago we would have played, probably played just as poorly and probably got lost the game, where, as you said, this time we've played poorly, not by our usual standard this year, and managed to get the win. And we managed to keep that even spread of players. We just don't seem to have anyone who really takes the you know, scru- game by the scruff of the neck too much, but it's always a constant team effort across the whole 22 players on the field. Yeah, it's amazing to think, you know, in that last quarter, that we were only in about 20 points in front, I think about 10 or 15 minutes in. So it's not like we really controlled the game the whole way through. So it was only until we put those goals on towards the end that they really faded and we put the icing on the cake that they really looked like it was ours. So I was a bit nervous actually watching the game at the pub, but just glad to get the win and we could have had that 46 points, but unlucky for us, we just dropped our head at the end and let them get that last goal. Yeah, I think um, Brisbane will probably take a bit out of it. I mean, Sam Mays looked pretty good for it and obviously got the rising star this week against us in that regard. But they did, I mean, I think you'll start to see a few more teams play that slingshot style that they're sort of come into vogue at the moment against Fremantle. I mean, Brisbane had, if they kicked straight, would have probably had a, you know, chance to be ahead at three-quarter time, really. I mean, Ash McGrath missed a couple. And, I mean, probably to Spurs' credit, he did push him wide into the pockets. But, you know, he was getting a lot of one-on-ones, which is something that Fremantle doesn't normally allow inside the 50. All right. This week, um, we're going to move on and have a look at the team selections for this week. Obviously, Fremantle have got another home game. 
on Sunday at 1.20, which is an unusual time slot for Fremantle on a Sunday game. Normally you get the 2.40 uh, graveyard shift, but this week we've got uh, Michael Walters back, which is terrific, and hopefully he'll get up for the game. And we also have Matt Tavener and Tom Sheridan also into the 25 with no outs, while North Melbourne have Levi Greenwood, Liam Anthony, Brad McKenzie, Ben Jacobs and Luke Delaney in, with Will Sirikowski being omitted and Scott McMahon, who was some... Some thought surprisingly named in the All-Australian 18 this uh, year by the media group, um, is out with an ankle. So um, what do you think of the ins and outs, boys? Um, well, I'm sort of happy that Walters is back into the fold, but um, not sure who's going to come out of that squad of 25 yet. Um, it could be the most simple, as we've discussed in the forums this week, crazier out for Walters. Um, but the way the side's been named, it's... Um, I saw on the website, it's a very small forward line with Fife, Main, Hill across the half forward line and then Ballantyne, Crozier and Walters. So I don't expect us to go in like that. Um, you'd want one of, you know, Hanneth or Silvani to sort of a, form a part of that forward line. Um, Walters to make the cut. Um, but it all depends on whether Sheridan or Tabner are really required in that team. And if we go with Silvani and Hanneth again for structure, because... It was working for a bit, um, obviously with Silvani subbed off, but who knows, the weather again, they're expecting watch 17 with showers on Sunday. So um, if it's really wet before the start of the game, who knows, we may see um, Sheridan actually come in over Silvani. So, um, or Crozier just keeps his spot and it's Walters in for Silvani if we want to go shorter. Um, similar to what Sefo said, I also think that um, if it's raining, that uh, we'll probably take out Silvani. However, if it's dry, which I'm not too sure, he'll keep his spot. We really need, I believe, Hannes and Silvani in the team. Hannes to share the ruck load, obviously, with Zach Clark. Zach Clark's been doing a tremendous job so far, but he needs to be there for his support and Silvani to help straighten us up without Pav being in in the side. Um, Also, I do think that Walters will come up and if he does, unfortunately, Hayden Crozier will probably be out. But if it's really, really wet, then maybe Hayden Crozier will stay in and kind of like Seppo said, then Silvani will go. I think it'll depend on, obviously, I mean, there's been some talk about Crozier's um, leg and like mm. being talking with the medical staff at training this week. So, I mean, he may not, they may just give him a rest. And I mean, he played as the sub last week and sort of came on to good effect, I thought, but they may look at it and just decide that it may be better for him just to have a week off and get himself right and probably give Walters a chance to maybe even come in as a sub himself this week rather than uh, risking it playing the whole game. So it'll be interesting to see what way they go. But I think that where that will play probably a factor in the team decisions. So I, I think those couple of those, I don't think, I think Tabernacle will probably end up playing for Peel, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sheridan's held over from the Peel game if, um, if the weather sort of looks like it's going to be a bit dodgy. What is the Peel game? Is it played on the Saturday? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'll just have a quick look. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think Peel have got the Saturday game because I don't think there is any other games on this week, on the Sunday or Monday or Friday night games. Occasionally they It'll be do interesting have to them. see who they actually uh, hold over. If it is a Saturday game, if they let Tabner play and they keep Sheridan or vice versa, if they have that one game day emergency or if it will be... Um, yeah, because the appeal are playing Perth on Saturday afternoon down at Peel, so I think we'll get a pretty good idea by Saturday afternoon who the, who the ins and outs 
will be, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sheridan is held over um, from that from the Peel side this week. Because I'm um, just a yep. Sorry, Joe, I go. Just to add in, um, yes, thank you. Um, uh, Peel are playing um, Perth at in Peel on Saturday, so I'd probably suggest that you know maybe Sheridan would be rested. I don't think uh, Tabana will be held back either because of Silvani and Hannes. There's a few tall guys already in the team supporting, you know, the likes of Zach Clark. So I'm more or less thinking that if someone is to be held back, it'd probably more be uh, Sheridan. Yeah, there's Crozier as well, because if Crozier comes out, it all depends if it's injury related or not. He might still um, get a run with Peel or be held as the emergency. So you never know how it's going to be played out. And what do we think about the uh, North Melbourne side this week? Obviously, Liam Anthony's we've seen him on XWA boy, and he's uh, racks up a bit of the ball himself. I, I think McMahon could be a loss against the right side, but considering our forward line isn't that tall, probably won't be as bad a loss as it possibly would be against another side like Hawthorne, where you've got Roughhead and Franklin, etc. So, interesting to see. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of Delaney or McKenzie, um, but I think their ins are certainly going to help them. Um, against us this week, and particularly if it, particularly if it is dry because their run is pretty strong. Yeah, I suppose they can afford to have um, McMahon out. Uh, I'm not sure if he takes the third tour, but um, they've still got um, Thompson and um, Ferrito and Grimer down there, so they've still got their um, fair share of good defenders. So, um, yeah, I suppose we can exploit them. If we've both got um, Walters and Ballas playing, um, I think that's where our goals are going to come from because I'm not not sure I rate their smaller defenders well enough. And Ballantyne at home always seems to get up against North. So um, I think I checked his history against North Melbourne and I was reading the North board and they uh, don't like Ballantyne at all. So <laughs> I think at home, Ballantyne always seems to play well at home. Um, I know he's got a shocking away record no matter who we're playing. So um, I'm expecting Ballantyne in for a good game and, and, I don't know who North plan to bring in. Um, I know they've got that young Hind guy that sort of plays, I don't know if it's back pocket or half back, but um, um, he's a tough nut, so he'll probably want to line up on Ballas at some point. Having said that, I reckon having a small forward line against North Melbourne could be very beneficial. Watching uh, North Melbourne just lose to West Coast at Subiaco, they really did run with the ball quite quickly, move it on quickly, very attacking all the way from their back line to their forward line. They have no problem kicking goals. It's just the defensive side of them that sometimes is lacking. And, yeah, I honestly think our small forwards, some of them almost play like midfielders. Uh, I think that's going to be quite beneficial to us, particularly with Walters in. Ballantyne, Main does a lot of work throughout the midfield as well. And even occasionally Crozier runs through the midfield. So small guys... Probably not a bad idea against North Melbourne. Yeah. I think the other thing as well is the um, North Melbourne forward line is quite strong when you look at it on paper. Uh, like Aaron Black's shown it quite a bit this year, and I'm sure you know those people have uh, seen him from you know a couple of years ago playing in the waffle system. Um, probably surprised that it's taken him this long, you know, to get himself um, make a presence in the North side. But along with Petrie, Daniel Wells, Lindsay Thomas, Harvey, and Adams, I mean, they've got a pretty reasonable forward line there. So. Uh, if they manage to get enough ball down there, I think they'll definitely cause could cause some problems for us if uh, we let them get the ball in quite easily with their height in particular. Yeah, really rate Black. He's a good player and 
Um, he'd be one that I'd love to uh, have on our books. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we can um, nullify I'm not worried about their forward line only because I know how well our defence will actually stand up. So throw, throw us who they like at us, but um, we'll stand up well against their forwards. Yeah, and I think the other thing as well is obviously we played them last year at Etihad and beat them quite comfortably in the end, and that was without Pav then as well. We managed, I'll probably arguably one of our best away games for the season. And as you said, I think it's going to be more the mid, midfield and how the pressure is, because a lot of their guys are still probably young and not really big. So even guys like Cunnington, Atley, they've got pace, but they probably, if it, particularly if it's wet, I think they're going to struggle with the big bodies of Fife, Barlow, Mundy, Mazungu, those sort of guys compared to our, um, you know, who are all those sort of six foot, to six foot three type players, where a lot of them sort of uh, are quick, but they're not really big in uh, body size. All right, now looking at the other aspects of the game, we've got a couple of uh, milestones with Mzungu obviously racking up his 50th. Um, I've also noticed that uh, McFarlane's going to play his 208th game and he'll rack up, or he'll rank fourth in the all-time Frio games along with Hazelby. Um, and then he's got obviously McManus, Parker and Pav all out in front of him. So well done for McFarlane for racking up that. And also we'll um, go on if we win this game to our eighth um, unbeaten match streak. So that's really good, as well as the fact that Ross hasn't lost against uh, Brad Scott. So holds us some good, good record. Game. Yeah. I think the battle in the rucks will be, could be potentially important if it is wet. I mean, Goldstein does manage to get a lot of hit outs. So he's obviously going to be able to put the ball where he wants for his team. So, I mean, on average, you know, last week I think he had 58 hit outs or, something similar. So, I mean, Swallow uh, hasn't been quite the same since he's had his knee injury a couple of weeks ago, but he's sort of, you know, he's a really tough and under player and, you know, obviously ability to tackle. So I think, you know, the I think Crowley will get Swallow for sure um, out of those sort of players. I don't think he's got the pace to go with the guys like Harvey and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how, who uh, Ross Lyon uses on those type of players. I honestly think that he, um, Crowley will go to Swallow, like you said. Um, Harvey probably will spend more time around the half-forward line as well, so it's probably more important for Crowley to really knock off the midfield run, particularly an in-and-under player such as Swallow, and then it really doesn't let them release onto the outside and go into the forward line. Also, touching on the ruckman, Drew Petrie can also ruck for them as well, so they do have options. However, Zach Clark's, just like he's shown in recent weeks, particularly in the Adelaide game, the wet, he can ruck whether it's wet or whether it's dry. Since he's come back into the team, I think he's really stepped up to the mark. Like Ross has said to him, knowing that he was going to be coming to the team due to uh, unfortunate injuries. Yeah, well, I think Goldsley's one of almost the best rucks um, in the game. He's pretty underrated, I think, across all boards. And um, I think we are going to struggle in the ruck purely on the hitouts, but how we capitalise on the hitouts to advantage, you know. Clark um, has been brilliant since he's come back in and he's got a great leap on him and that's how we sort of won some of those important set of clearances with his ruck work, being able to leap up over the taller ruckman. Um, but there's going to be stages where we throw Hannah in there and Zark um, is either going to be resting or on the bench. Um, and I'm just worried that if they start to get first use and capitalise on the outside, that that will be a, a bit of a worry. Um, but it's going to be interesting how the midfield battle holds up around 
Goldstein taps, especially if he's going to be racking up 45 or 50 touches again. Because yeah, I don't think um, also, like, I mean, Goldstein doesn't tend to hurt you enough around the, a lot around the ground. Yeah. You know, even last, every week he only sort of takes two or three marks, which is probably where uh, Brad Scott was earlier looking to experiment with those different type of ruckmen, like bringing Majak Daw in that, because he just doesn't hurt you. Well, it probably doesn't provide enough for North Melbourne as much as they would like. And obviously they can bring Petrie into the into that sort of pinch ruck situation. So, I mean, I'm surprised that Daniel Curry hasn't had more of a go, actually, given his form in the preseason. But I think it's also probably remiss after discussing Zach Clark last week. It's terrific to see him re-sign for two years um, with the club. And I think he'll be a really important cog for us going forward in now, you know, just having our ruck, you know, whether even between Griffin coming back and Sandlin's probably getting towards the end of his career. I think he's a critical re-signing for us and it's terrific to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I just... I... Sorry, Seppo. There you go. Okay. Just on touching on Zach Clark, apart from him signing for two years, I've noticed having gone down to a lot of the Peel game this season that he spends a lot of time hanging out with young uh, Moller and they're pretty much two inseparable people, which is fantastic to see if he can really take him under the wing as well as getting, you know, experience from Griffin and Sandy. Like, we can really start generating Ruckman generation after generation for Freeman, which is really important. And it's good that some of these Ruckman, even if they're not always the first picked, they're sticking around now. They want to be part of the Fremantle team, the Fremantle culture. Yeah, that was the best part of what I heard about Clark re-signing and just the, the want for him to need be in in this club. So even though there was the um, lure of coming home to Victoria, it was um, great to see us back him in. And um, we've really shored up our ruck stocks now with the good spread of, um, you know, Sandlands down to Griffin and Clark and Hannath and Moller on that rookie list. It's a um, great position to be in. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Actually, having a look through the uh, North Melbourne side, a lot of their midfield reminds me a little bit of even like West Coast, where they have got those sort of pacey. They can have pacey runners when when they when the ball's on their terms, but when you know when it's in the clinches, they tend to struggle a little bit because they just haven't got that body strength or size or a bullocking player that can get them out of it. I mean, Swallow's probably the best guy they've got in that regard, but they probably just need one extra person in there to be able to do that. So it'll be interesting to see if Lyon sort of employs the same sort of tactics as he did against West Coast and shut down their outside runners in uh, Bastanak and, and Atley and those type of players. It's one thing I've noticed with um, doing a bit of research, finding out the way that North Melbourne play, they tend to sort of overuse the ball and have a real slow switch of play, like with those plotters like you're talking about, the way they move the ball. And even if they try and, and switch the ball across from you know one halfback flank and do the V and pop out the other side, we've really got to be on with our forward pressure and really restrict that and they're not going to like it so I think that's one way of really stopping any sort of run from North Melbourne is just apply that forward pressure and it's um, something that Maine and Ballas and everyone does so well so I'm looking forward to that to see how it comes out because that's one way of really stopping North that one way they can be um, offensive but I think we'll have them covered there Even if you look at other players like Nat Fife when he pushes forward, Stephen Hill, they cover a lot of ground. And Nat Fife's marking, even Hill's marking, is so good that they've really got to avoid them when kicking out of defence. And if they're, and they're looking at either side of the ground while kicking out and they can't find... Sorry, they keep finding players like Fife and Hill in that area. It really makes it hard for them to um, 
kick down the ground. They have to hit the pockets. It's a slow um, transition to their forward line unless they want to take real risks. And I think that's where we can take the upper hand. Our midfielders are bigger midfielders than theirs, and they do take good grabs. And I think we can really hurt them when we do lock it into our forward line. Yeah, I mean, we've just got to convert, though. That's the only problem that we've had so far. We've been locking it in there. We've just got to hit the scoreboard. We've um, had a lot of games this year where we've kicked uh, more points and goals. Yeah, and I think um, what you're saying there is, you know, 100% right. And, like, we can see guys like even last week, Barlow once again managed to go forward and outmark his opponent. And I think they'll definitely have, you know, a two- or three-inch advantage when they do move forward. But, you know, even last week we still saw a couple of those guys missing those goals from 35 to 40. Obviously, Monday kicked both his, but... That's really the first time we've seen that this season where he tends to take a mark inside 50 more. He tends to be running goals where Barlow actually does manage to grab those marks. But he, for some reason, he just seems to struggle kicking for a goal, in, you know, putting him between the big sticks. I mean, his kicking is not his strong point at any point, but just be nice to see him finish those goals off when he does get down there because it just makes us much more dangerous. Yeah, particularly uh, the Adelaide game, I had a bit of a nervous moment when he was kicking from just inside 50 and missed. I thought, oh, here we go. Luckily enough, uh, Sutcliffe kicked that goal, which you know pretty much gave us the game in those dying seconds. All right, so any other uh, views or any other discussion points, boys, for the uh, North game? No, I'm fine. Yeah. All done. All right, excellent. All right, we'll just go on to general discussion and... Uh, Jedi Mind Tricks, I know you want to just talk a little bit about what's been happening down at Peel, seeing you've seen a few games down there, so pass it over to you, mate. Okay, um, as far as Peel go, I've pretty much seen all the home games and a couple of the away games, and a lot of people you know, on the forum do, do discuss uh, players such as Tavernar, will he get a game, how's Tanner Smith going, and so forth. I can see a lot of potential in those guys. I reckon they're playing fairly well. However, they're not as consistent as what would be needed at AFL Standard just yet. I think they need, you know, a couple of good seasons in them. Tanner Smith definitely would have to, as well as Taberna, hit the weights for a little bit, um, build up a bit more endurance. But both of them, when they hang on to marks, they look they look a million bucks. And I think both of them have taken slowly taken good steps and. They could become crucial uh, key position players in the future, but there's no doubt that there's been a reason why Ross hasn't thrown them into the deep end. And I don't think Tabernas is quite is ready quite yet. But you know, one maybe two more seasons, and I honestly think he could be red hot. Uh, also, just looking at some of the midfielders for Pill, unfortunately, Seppo. Crichton just, uh, he's been injured for most of the time, but at the start of the season, he actually looked quite good. I don't want to um, hurt you too much, but yeah, he just can't get his body right. And I know you're probably crying at the moment, but... He will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, won't, I won't talk too much more about Crichton. Another um, player who has really impressed me has been Sheridan. He, For me, he doesn't have that knockout punch when it comes to kicking the football. He's very silky. He does hit his targets. He doesn't have a real penetrating kick, but he does rack up possessions and does a fair bit with them. Having said that, Viv Mitchie is really, really strong. His fitness has really gone through the roof compared to the start of the season where a lot of people 
um, down at training could tell that he probably wasn't fit enough. He's really come along leaps and bounds and you know, week in, week out, racking up the possessions, passing the ball really, really well by foot. He always has a lot of time compared to some of the other guys in the Peel team as well as the AFL listed players for Fremantle. And it might not come this season. We've got a very solid team and it's very hard to drop players, particularly if they're playing well for someone else who's playing well in the waffle. But I'm sure his time will come and we'll have a very good player in Viv Michi. But do you think it's just a matter of opportunity, um, Jedi, or do you think there's some aspects of his game that probably aren't fitting into Ross Lyon's game style? Well, I think it's, to be perfectly honest, I think it's opportunity. You just can't drop players when team, when you're winning on set consecutive games, particularly when players are all giving it the, um, playing well. And there hasn't been too many um, poor games from players on a consistent basis to warrant being dropped. Having said that, watching Viv Michi play, I don't think there is too many weaknesses to his game as such. It's just about him continually getting his touch. And he's come off, you know, a really long injury. And I think they might be taking a bit more of the cautious approach with him. I can't personally see too many things that he's doing wrong. Even other guys coming back from the AFL to play Waffle wouldn't have really played any better than him to get back into the Fremantle team in previous seasons. Yeah, like with those games you've been watching, has Viv actually been having a lot of time on ground? And do you reckon he's still being managed in terms of the kilometres and the cases putting into his legs on game day? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Viv has um, been rotating onto the bench a lot of the time. Having said that, Peel do rotate a lot and... It's probably he's probably using the same amount of minutes as say Tommy Sheridan or any of the other midfielders per se. Uh, at the start of the season, yes, he would have been definitely off the ground for a bit longer than now. His fitness is right up. He's running out four quarters very well. Plus, he's kicking goals in the midfield, pushing forward, just like Crozier was doing at the start of the season, where I think he kicked four goals, one in a losing side, Crozier. I see that in Viv as well. Um, he probably he's probably getting actually manned a lot heavier now as well in games because teams are seeing him as one of the stronger midfielders. Yeah, I heard he copped a hard tag from McGinnity, I think, just last mm. week, I believe. Yeah, so. absolutely right, yes. What do you reckon he's up quite well? With, with Sheridan, what do you reckon his um, strong suit is? Because every time I read the reports and sort of hear others observing his game, he sounds very vanilla like Mundy where you can't exactly tell where he's really going to excel or what, what he actually brings to the team. What do you see in Sheridan? Oh, to be honest with you, I, I think he's got some great skills, but like I said um, a little earlier, he probably doesn't have that big kick that someone like Viv Mitchie has who's not getting game now, but where some of the other guys also like Crozier and Sutcliffe have. Um, he seems maybe, he doesn't have that physical presence on the ground like some of the other younger guys. Not saying that he's a soft player at all. He just doesn't um, seem to impose him, his, himself on the game physically like some of the other guys, which to me could be one of the aspects. But as far as skills go, I think he's um, 
as good as any of the other, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds um, at Fremantle at the moment. The other one, he's got the skill set, but he's just um, waiting in the wings. So he's definitely got the AFL quality, but maybe we'll just take time before we see him there. Yeah, the other one as well, interesting, Jedi Mytrix, is probably in, we're starting to see a bit of discussion on him. You know, obviously, he's Alex Forster. Last year, he struggled with a hip injury most of the season and obviously didn't manage to get out in the park too often. And he's sort of been fluctuating between the reserves and the league. What's, how, you, how are you tracking his progress at the moment? What do you think? Yes, insurance. Um, I, I uh, think that he's really improved in the past five weeks. At the start of the season, I didn't really see him because he was playing reserves. And I, being, you know, only so much time on the weekends, just rock up for the league game of Peel. Um, having said that, when he did get a game for Peel, he had minimal possessions, playing a bit more of the shutdown role. And... From what I've seen, and it's only highlights, and you can't be an expert on a player watching highlights of their under-18s, he was doing a lot of really good, what I noticed, um, runoff play. And he was a bit more in his shell playing for Peel. However, now he's starting to get the ball, run and carry. He does hit up really good options, and he does know what to do for most of the time when he gets the ball. But um, he hasn't been racking up the big possessions, having... Played in the back pocket is probably not the easiest spot to always, you know, showcase um, your skills as such when you're trying to shut down a player. You know, you're using a different skill set. So he might be getting used differently for Peel as what he was when we picked him up in the under-18s for South Australia. And he is improving slowly, like just like um, Viv Mitch. He's come off a very long injury and... I still think there's a future there for him at Fremantle, but it just might take a bit of time. Yeah, and do you see the um, obviously? I mean, he's not—he's probably about that one ninety-one centimeter, so he's not a huge player. Do you see him probably more playing? Do you think he'll make it as a key back, or do you think see him more as a probably a Garrick Ibbotson type player? At the very, next level? very much an Ibbotson or even a Duffield type player, but I don't want to put him in the same bracket of, I think he's going to be as good as those players. I I just don't know. He's He still looks quite fresh and he still looks like he's got a huge learning curve. I would love him to be in that mould of Ibo or Duffield. I definitely don't see him taking bigger players. I don't think that's really his style. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So have you any other, anything else you'd like to add, uh, Seppo? No, that's it. Okay, any other points you'd like to add, Jedi Wine Tricks, while we're, uh, we've got um, just, I'll just like to quickly touch on training. I haven't been down there for the last few weeks, but compared to last season, uh, with Ross Lyon, he's been able to you know utilise almost the whole squad from the start, bar a few guys who are going through rehab, compared to last season where he, he could, just couldn't do the same kind of um, drills what he was doing this pre-season. And you, I've really noticed a big um, change in, in training due to, you know, more player numbers. And also now with obviously some success, you can really see a real enthusiasm about the guys. You couldn't wipe the smile off their faces down at training this season. They, they still look 100% committed, but just in a real good mood and you know that becomes in fact just throughout the club and it just appears to be like that at the moment and I I really 
um, you know, hats off to Ross Lyon. I think it's fantastic what he's been doing with all the other um, line coaches. And I just hope it continues on because, um, you know, good mood, hard training, um, you know, it's, it's really a credit to him. I think he started a real good, um, you know, stepping stone for the rest of the club throughout the year and years to come. Excellent. All right, well, we'll finish up there, I think, tonight, boys. So we'll uh, get your tips for the game this week. Uh, Sefo, what do you think uh, the uh, game result will be this week? Um, yeah, North are a good side. I'll probably put ourselves with like a 25 to 29 point win. Um, a better game than the North Melbourne one, but uh, I think we'll just struggle again in the forward line, but keep them to a, a low margin. So 25 points for me. Jedi Mind Tricks, what do you think? Well, bit closer. I think it might be about 20 to 24 points unless we can really get a hold of them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see this week because I think the line is around that 24-point mark and there seem to be quite a bit of money for it, particularly if it does get wet. So it might be a little bit closer. North Melbourne's one of those sides you really don't want to give that second chance, I don't think. So if obviously we can shut the game away early, it'd be ideal. But I do think that five to six goal mark will be about where it's at. So I'd like to, uh, just a reminder to uh, our listeners as well, that obviously we can you can subscribe by your own, uh, iTunes. We have our account there under Big Footy Frio. And we also have our, Sepo will put up the podcast on YouTube as well as the MP3 link. So you're more than welcome to download it. And we're also looking for people to add for the next few episodes. So um, we've had a great support with a couple of different guys coming through every week. So um, thanks, Jedi, for coming on tonight. Um, we've got a couple okay. of free spots over the next few weeks. So if you look out for that. Um, and just before I go, I'd like to add a little another segment here that might be continuing for the next few weeks. It's called Seppo's Joke of the Week. So um, this week, my joke is, um, girlfriend just broke up with me because she thinks I'm too obsessed with the AFL. I'm really gutted about it because we've been going out for about three seasons. Brumtish. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that was lame. Sorry. <laughs> we'll, look we'll look forward to Sefo's uh, joke of the week again next week, no doubt. And uh, as I said, I'd like to uh, thank you both, join- both guys for joining us this week. And we'll, uh, as I said, hopefully celebrate another Frio victory this week and manage to get ourselves back in the top four. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening, Thanks, guys. guys. Thanks, guys.